right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show, a men's interview, interest and improvement focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. Today's guest is Pablo Rosario. Pablo is a men's dating and relationship coach who helps single men all over the world get better at meeting and connecting with women and build the relationship of their dreams. And in this interview, we discuss his story, his story of how it a heartbreak at 10 years old helped to transform him into the very successful dating coach he is today. We discuss his tips on building a deep social life with a rich vein of interesting people in it, how you can actually connect with the people you interact with on a deeper level, and how to build your self-confidence, accept your flaws, and attract the women you truly desire. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. You're maybe not as well known as some of my other guests, but you know your material is awesome. Your content is fantastic, and it's going to really help a lot of people. But for people who are maybe not aware of the name, could you just give a quick intro? You know, a little bit about yourself. Um, I believe you had a heartbreak at ten years old. Yes, that is part of my story. <laughs> that is part of my story. Yes, my uh, my history. You know, the, my origin story, as you will. Uh, it started when I was ten years old. Right when I was ten years old, I experienced my very first heartbreak, and I can understand, you know, being ten. How can you have a heartbreak? You're ten. You're supposed to be carefree. Well, I had a girlfriend at the time, and uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. So I'm in the playground, being that carefree kid. Then all of a sudden, her friend comes up to me and goes, "Hey, so she's going to go out with so and so for two weeks, and if she doesn't like him." She'll come back with you. And in the moment, you know, of course, you, you know, you're, you're like, whatever. I don't care. Doesn't bother me. But inside, oh, my goodness, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken because I felt second place. I felt like a consolation prize. The thought that started going through my mind was, I'm not good enough. Someone else is better than me. And from that moment on, I made that decision that never again was I going to feel like that. Never again was I going to come second place to anybody. And so what that drove me into was just to go on the internet, start improving my skills, start learning, okay, how do you uh, get better with women? How do you improve your interactions? And you know, I started to see results, which was nice, which was nice. And But the funny thing is that the deeper I got into it, the more that I saw that it wasn't about lines. It wasn't about tips, tricks, routines, gimmicks, or anything like that. What I came to find that you'll start having better interactions with women when you become a better version of yourself. And that's what led me start, that's what led me into developing my own method, if you will, which is self-improvement based, where it's more of becoming the type of person that naturally attracts women, that naturally has great interactions with people that's magnetic that's charismatic and i firmly believe that uh, you know anyone can become that that was one of the biggest lessons that i learned in my journey because if you were to ask me to this day i'll tell you i'm a shy guy by nature that's who pablo is at his heart 
And I used to believe that, you know, either you got it or you don't. But through my journey, I learned that that's not true. You can develop any skill, you could develop any trait, and you can make it part of yourself. And, you know, fast forward years later, here I am being a uh, men's dating and relationship coach, helping my fellow guys get over the same thing that I did so that way they don't have to feel like second place. Because that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we were born with either the belief that we're good or we're bad with women. You know, it's that thing of, uh, I can't learn that. You know, I can learn how to do a handstand, but that's just one of those things. Do you think that's like something that we all struggle with, that expectation that we know how to deal with women we should all have that as part of like the masculine setup you know the installation package you get when you're born is is that more damaging to us that our ego kind of won't let us ask for help because we believe we're going to be ridiculed if we admit we don't know how to set up these kind of relationships yes i i firmly believe so that the expectation of being naturally good with women that it, it hurts guys and it hurts us growing up, it hurts us psychologically uh, and emotionally. And it causes guys to suffer in silence. I mean, unfortunately, growing up, just from all the messages we get from around us, it's expected that we're supposed to be smooth. We're supposed to know what we're, uh, we're supposed to say. We're supposed to have all these things installed in us from the minute that we're born. And if you have to I'm learn scared. how to... Right, exactly. I was like, I'm, I'm scared. And there's a little bit of a... Um, you know, you get looked down upon, or rather, we look down on on ourselves when we have when we come to realize that maybe there's something that we have to learn that we're not good at, and that causes us to overcompensate and to go about things the wrong way. You see, because you know that overcompensation is covering up that hurt, that lack of knowledge. And then we end up going about the wrong way, getting our information from wrong places, from wrong sources. And then when we don't get the results that we want, then the self-fulfilling prophecy continues. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I, you know, I, this is just the way I am. So it's very hurtful. And the way to get out of that is the first thing is just to define your own metric of success. Define what it is for yourself. And also understand that what you've been fed is not reality. That is not the way real life is. That's not the way a man is supposed to operate. No man is supposed to just know how to, you know, interact with a woman. This is something, again, this is a skill that can be developed. I mean, this is where sort of like a lot of people know the term like pickup. So they know the, you know, like the game and mystery and mm -hmm. all that kind of things. But a lot of people have that kind of negative connotation of that, you know, because they're teaching people you know, like negging and how to use a technique to get into bed and stuff like that. Whereas I loved your style of thing of making you a better person, allowing you to see the the joy that's you know you have in your own life that can attract people and make them attracted to you based on who you are. But you know, can would you regard what you do as pickup or would you regard what you do as self-improvement for a man to attract people into their life? How would you, like, what's your opinion on pickup? Would you, like, categorize what you do as pickup as, say? That's a very good question. And here's my opinion on pickup. Um, I can't, ba can't badmouth pickup. It's hard for me to do that because that's where I started. 
And that's, you know, and a lot of the techniques and things like that, they, they do work and they do produce results. Now, my only, uh, the, the problem that I found with pickup and my experience in it is actually twofold. Number one is that pickup gives you a shell. You end up becoming someone that you're not. Mm-hmm. All those tips, tricks, and lies, they're not your words. They're not your stories. And you're becoming someone, you're, you're putting on a shell, you're putting on a facade, which leads me to my second point. My second problem that I, I didn't like with it is that with pickup, they only teach you how to meet her and get her phone number. After that, it doesn't tell you anything about how to set up a date, how to make a fun date. What do you do? When you are four dates in, how do you keep the, the spice and the passion going three months down the road, six months down the road? How do you handle problems when you guys come into your first disagreement? How do you not let your ego get in the way and potentially lose out on a great woman? And so that was that that was my problem with it. And that's where I step in. That's where I kind of see myself is a dating and relationship coach where I look at the whole spectrum the whole spectrum of the relationship from the moment you meet to the six months down the road, because it is a different set of skills. Here's a beautiful thing that people don't understand, right? The skills that you develop to meet her, get her attracted to you are the different set of skills that you have six months down the road. When you have to, when you have to um, have her fall in love with you again, it's a different set of skills that no one talks about. And that's where also I come in and the all in all where my whole style comes from, if you will, is the way to the way to fix that problem, the problem of you know not you know of, of showing up as a shell and how to deal with problems in the relationship six months down the road. The way to solve that is by focusing less on the techniques and the words, but more focusing on the characteristics, behaviors, feelings, thoughts, and ways of being that produced those words and stories. And so then that way, you're the same person on day one as you are six months down the road. And so you're still charming. You're still funny. You're still doing the same jokes. You don't have to try to remember, like, oh, wait, what did I say before? Because it's not story. It's something, it's who you naturally are. I mean, a prime example of this is, it's, it's, it's funny what I say is that, so one uh, common technique uh, within uh, pickup is the idea of DHV stories, or identity telling stories, which are stories that are meant to convey a, a personality trait of yours. Now, uh, you know, when people start off, sometimes they go ahead and repeat stories that they've heard from other people because it's worked. And but then later on down the road, when she finds out those stories aren't yours, your your value points just goes down the drain. Now, myself, again, it's about being the type of person that naturally does it because it comes from my behavior, my way of being. When I, uh, actually, when I first met my girlfriend, you know, we would trade stories back and forth. And one of the stories that I would tell would be like, oh yeah, um, you know, my previous job, I was a program director for an international mastermind company where I put on conferences for CEOs and entrepreneurs all across the country, Canada. Um, and it was really fun because I got to meet a lot of people. And that story, it, it's not a lie. It's really my life. And so I'm showing up authentically and that creates a stronger interaction. I'm sorry, a stronger connection than any shell of a pickup line will. Cause that, I mean, that was also my issue with, I, mean, I doubled and pick up for a while was the initial kind of nagging techniques, routines. It, 
it just felt fake. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And girls pick up on that straight away, or like even mm-hmm. other other people, they know you're talking out your arse. They know that it's, the energy's wrong. That the mm-hmm. that there's a fakeness behind it. But and when I finally found, I think it was Aris D. Max's stuff about you know you're the prize, making mm-hmm. yourself the natural. It kind of went, oh right, you know you can do this, and and that's what I love about your stuff as well. It's the you work on the behaviors of it. You work on like making you a better person to attract the lady. But how do you even start that? Because I mean, a lot of guys would start pickup, and they like the routines and stuff like that because they don't believe they deserve women. You know, they don't even believe mm-hmm. that they can attract women. How can mm-hmm. how do you even start going through a mental roadblock like that, where somebody doesn't even feel themselves? or even know who they are as a person to start attracting people. You know, that, I mean, that must be such a mental, well, nightmare, you know, like nightmare for people who A, don't know who they are, and B, can't accept that they could be happy, meet people, date around, whatever it is they want. How do you work with somebody to get through that? Well, that's actually a common thing, which is why guys turn to pick up and they never leave it, in my opinion. Uh, and the reason for that is because deep down, they don't truly believe that they're worthy, that they're worthy of the women that they want. And that worthiness actually has nothing to do with women at all. It actually has to do with uh, you know, their own feelings of self-worth. And what I would do is I would have a conversation with them and then through my line of questionnaire, help them realize and try to help them find out where did that start? Because I guarantee you, that feeling of not being worthy does not only apply to their love life. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet also that that also applies to their professional life, to their friends. I guarantee that they won't take opportunities or maybe they self-sabotage because deep down they don't feel worthy enough. And so so then the issue is not just for women. Like I said, it's like it's an all-around thing. And what I would do is just talk with them and ask, okay, when was the first time that you realize you weren't worthy, that you learned you weren't worthy. 10 times out of 10, probably some time in childhood. You know, something happened where, you know, possibly mom and dad, they wanted something. Or you know what, perfect example, let's take myself for instance, because uh, it's something that I struggled with. And I, I recall being younger, I recall being younger and I remember because I, I played baseball a lot when I was younger, and I remember when I would do well, I, you know, oh, you did so great, gives you big hugs, oh my God, you're the best. When I did poorly, it would be a quiet ride home. And the message that I internalized was, I'm only worthy of love if I achieve things. And so that was the message throughout my whole life, and it carried over to my interactions with women. I wouldn't approach certain women, have conversations with them because in my head I would think, oh, I haven't achieved enough in my life to to be worthy enough to talk to her. And I missed out on a whole lot of opportunities because of that. And so the the to give you the short answer, the way to get past that or to better deal with it is to realize, one, your current framework of worthiness is set up is based on the fact that your worthiness is dependent on something outside of you, meaning your achievements, meaning your looks, meaning your finances. 
And anything, any system where it's depending on something outside of yourself is not a productive system. It is the equivalent of depending on the weather. And what's going to happen is that you are then going to be at the whims of that thing that's outside of you. And to live your life with something else having power over you is not a great way to live. So the solution is shift that power from outside internally. Shift that sense of worthiness from something outside of you to inside of you. And what I would tell people is just to redefine it. Redefine it. Redefine it so you can set up the game to win. And what for me, it's always I define for me my worthiness not by the results but by the choices that I make. Because I feel like your choices, that's within your control. If you make the choice to go up and talk to a woman, you are infinitely the man, so to speak, than the guy who doesn't talk to her at all. Even if even if she, you know, even if she quote unquote rejects you, you are still better off because you made the choice. And just the choice alone says a lot about a man than anything else. And that's my belief. I mean, I love that because something you said that I really loved was, I think I can't remember the interview, but you said, you know, the the thing that makes you most attractive is finding out who you are and becoming the best version of yourself. And I really love that kind of, you know, that you can be the person you want to be. You just need to learn how to, you know, do the cheat codes and get them out. But mm-hmm. something you hear a lot of guys saying is, how you know, how can I feel worthy or find, like, value my life when... I don't feel anything of value in my life. You know, like I'm in a dead end job. Um, my fr- I don't like my friends. I do, you know, that that to me that's a really is that a hard mindset to break, or can is it something that we just perceive as quite a heavy roadblock? But is actually quite a an easy thing to shift to kind of get people going. You know, I mean, do you have to work with somebody for a long term like that? Do they have to do things like NLP? positive affirmations or can that be something that can be sort of reversed quite quickly well the truth is that that type of work this type of work is a lifelong it's a lifelong journey so here's and here's and here's something that i tell people to help them understand and help them get better at it it's this is something this won't go away this this feeling of unworthiness it won't go away <laughs> so that's number one right there because you know, like people try to struggle and they try to make it stop, make it go away, and that is the equivalent of uh, rolling a boulder up a hill. <laughs> it won't, it won't. And so, first step is just to accept that it won't go away. And so, being that it won't go away, so the next question is like, okay, cool. If it won't go away, then what? Then I would tell them this. Then the goal is not to never feel like this, but to shorten the periods in which you do. Because the success is not in never falling. The success is how short can you keep the downtime or how quickly you get back up. And so with things like, you know, I, you know, with things like, oh, I don't have the right friends, you know, I'm not in the right job and things like that. You know, I would tell him this. Listen, I understand where you're coming from and I'm not denying it. I'm not denying your reality and I, and I empathize for you. Um but you have to take responsibility. There comes a certain point where you have to take responsibility for your life and your experiences in life. There's no one with a gun to your head saying you have to stay at the same job. There's no one with a gun to your head saying you have to keep the same friends. Now, granted, I understand each each um, each situation is different. However, though, you have the ability 
to find a solution, to take control, and to start making changes. And the idea that, oh, I can't do it, it's called a fixed mindset, which I'm sure a lot of you Mm -hmm. guys listening have heard about. And that fixed mindset will keep you exactly where you are. And it's developing the growth mindset that you can develop anything, you can learn anything, you could change anything. Everything's malleable. That is where your power will come from. And as you're doing the work, last thing, as you're doing the work, as you're doing the work, like I said, um, well, yes, there are things that can speed up the process, things that can you know, give you results right there in the moment. But what I would encourage everyone to do is to not look for the quick fix, but rather look for the ability to win that battle easier and easier. That's great. Uh, and that's a better mind frame. Yeah. I love, I love that kind of approach, that kind of thing of it's not going to be easy, but just start trying to make it less. You know, if it's happening 10 times, aim for it to be nine times. Once you get to nine, mm-hmm. or, you know, build till seven. And it's that kind of thing. It's like take slow gaps. And if you can't, you know, if you try to jump two, you miss one, go back one, start again. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. I think we, we put too much thing on this. We expect too, too much too quickly. I mean, Mm-hmm. See somebody listening, for example, just now, and they might be thinking, "Okay, do you know what? I'm going to get my dating life handled." And now they're kind of, you know, they've got they're having to deal with social anxiety, having to deal with mm-hmm. upgrading their wardrobe, having to deal with going out where they've maybe not gone out before. You know, they maybe had a bad breakup, divorce, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to start? Now, I've always been a big fan of getting people to go out and just be social, you know, speaking to the cashier, speaking to the guy next in line, or, you know, just treat every interaction as a chance to improve your your connections and your sort of relationship building and stuff like that. Would you agree with that? Or have you got a kind of a trick that works? Well, not a trick, a technique that works for people? I would agree with that. For anyone that's out of a breakup, for anyone that's trying to get back in the quote-unquote game, uh, anyone that's that's shy, has social anxiety, and wants to get back out there, the first thing I would say, just get get used to talking to people. At the core, these things are just social skills. That's all they really are at their core. Just the ability just to talk with people, make them feel comfortable, and have a good conversation. And so for anyone just starting out or trying to improve their skills, the first thing I would say is just get comfortable talking with people and having a normal conversation (coughs) with no agenda, with no agenda at all. And you start there, and here's, here's the second part, do it every day. Do it every day. Because if you only do it on Friday and Saturday nights, it'll take you a very long time to get good. But if you do it for small amounts of time, Every single day, you will see results. There's actually an exercise for anyone out there um, that I give a lot of my clients that I work with. And it's called a 30-day high challenge. Nice and easy, nice and simple, but the results are amazing. The payoffs are amazing. So what I tell people to do is to say hi to one new person every single day for 30 days straight, from Monday to Sunday, and do not miss a day. Just say hi to at least one person. And what you're going to find is that, one, talking to people starts to become a habit. Because currently right now, I'm willing to bet that any person in that position, if you take a look at his life, he doesn't spend it around people. He doesn't talk to people. So one, saying hi will turn into a habit. That's number one. Number two, internally, 
his beliefs about himself and other people will start to change because he's going to he's going to have repeated experiences that are going to show his subconscious like hey what we used to believe is not true people are actually nice people actually smile back to me people are actually friendly and so once those beliefs start to change the identity starts to change then they no longer start to think of themselves as a shy guy as a person who's not good at talking to women they start to see themselves like hey i'm a social person i'm the type of person that people respond to positively and then the last thing that they'll see by saying a hi to people every single day for 30 days is that there are opportunities everywhere that you just don't have to go to the bar you just don't have to go to the club that there are opportunities everywhere for you to create a relationship for you to find someone all you have to do is get out of your house and open your mouth I love that sort of thing because I, I think I read was it a YouGov study somewhere and it said that the average, it was like an American study, it was like the average American male has not made a new friend in like four years. And wow, it was, it was terrifying. And I was just looking at it going, oh, okay. And I think that's the thing into it is that we think we can only go out to the bars. We can only go out to the bars with our current friends. We can only go to the places that they're going. And it's like you're saying, there's millions of opportunities to do things. And if you only restrict yourself to certain situations, you're only going to get to meet people in a certain situation and a certain type of person. Because maybe the people you want to date don't go to bars and clubs. you know. But you're restricting mm-hmm. yourself into there. I mean, something I've, I've always kind of noticed is that we tend to build, you know, strong friendships or attractions, you know, when we're the real version of ourselves. Now, mm-hmm. do you give them a script that says just go out and say hi till they start feeling they're able to be a bit more vulnerable and open up about themselves and, you know, their beliefs and stuff like that? Or should they just go out and go hi? Do you have the time on you or something like that? You know, at what point do they start taking that a bit further and trying to, you know, start a conversation going, try to be a bit more, you know, the interesting guy in the room, as I've seen, you know, some of your Mm -hmm. stuff doing. How do you escalate that, take it to the next level? Avoid, uh, ignoring the pun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so what I, what I, generally, what I do is I explain the framework. The framework of which, uh, how to have a conversation, how to have an interesting conversation where you do end up with a date or a phone number or a new connection. And then within that framework, I allow them to execute that framework however they see fit. That allows individuality. That allows them to not be fake. That allows them to be themselves. And so, for example, uh, one of the things of the framework is tell it's, it's telling a um, telling a story about yourself, right? That way, that's the way people communicate. Whenever you talk with friends, you got it's not interview style. No, you guys trade stories back and forth the way friends do. Hmm. And so, do that with a stranger. It starts setting the frame that you guys are friends. And so, when I say tell a story, cool. We start off by saying, okay, tell whatever story you want. It's up to you. That's pretty easy. All right, now let's take it to the next level. Okay, now tell me a story when you, um, where you were determined to accomplish a goal. Well, there was this one time where this happened. Excellent. Tell me this other story one time where you were the leader of a group. Bam, okay. So now what we've just done is that we've shifted from 
just talking to now talking intentionally. Because that's, that's where the transfer happens. That's where the crossover happens. First, they have to learn how to talk, how to have a regular conversation, how to have an interesting conversation. And then you learn how to, you push the envelope. And now you say things intentionally, things with the intention of conveying a message, conveying a personality trait, uh, sparking attraction. And so it all comes with baby steps and mastering the step before. And once you feel comfortable in the next step, then it's time to go to the other one. And then the next one after that and after that. And it's funny because um, I'm actually just working with a client who's going through this. Now, there is that there's going to be for some people that fear of making that bold step of maybe flirting. You know, maybe they feel there are some people out there that they can have great conversations, but they feel nervous flirting because they're putting themselves out there. Understandable. So then what I tell them to do, this is why I tell them to talk to everyone, practice with everyone. Because now the pressure's off. You're talking to someone that you're not attracted to. You're just executing and practicing the skill. And so then now you, you feel safe to take that step. And that's essentially what the whole thing about confidence is, is feeling safe to take the next step. That's what holds guys back. They don't feel safe to take the next step. And so it's about creating that environment, that container, or creating an exercise that allows them to feel safe to take that next step. And then once they see, hey, I can take this next step, Oh, nothing bad happened. And actually the opposite happened. This person laughed. This person asked me my name. Oh, wow. And then bam, that's how their confidence builds. And then we just ride that momentum onward. I love that approach. You know, it's that kind of you're taking the stress out. You're slowly ramping it up. You know, I think you used the term somewhere, um, turning up the volume on yourself. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love that. You know, it's that moment of, slowly building up that and letting the world see the true version of yourself. So how, mm-hmm. if somebody is a bit of a dick, if a girl you're speaking to rejects you, you're, so it's hard to explain it to somebody to treat it as a learning experience who treat, who at that kind of level, you know, just starting out maybe sees it as a, a vindiv- you know, like a, an insult on your your life in general. Whereas it could be them just having a bad day or working or whatever. How how should people treat rejection in these sort of situations? You know, should you go back and analyze the conversation, write out a journal on it? Should we just go, ah, well, or count to five and then say a mantra? You know, is there is there a way you found that can really help guys learning and getting back into the the art of meeting women and you know meeting a a girlfriend? can deal with the rejection yeah yeah. oh man i love these questions you got me so excited (laughs) now all right i love talking about this stuff that's actually fantastic because that's one of the things i was thinking about like man i don't want to get rejected rejection sucks and because you get rejected and then you're down for the rest of the day and the rest of the night and then you don't talk to anybody else because you're in your head and so i spent some time thinking okay how can i circumnavigate that how can i help people with that and i got a couple things which is fantastic okay number one uh it's definitely redefine rejection okay uh redefine rejection and what i mean by that what i mean by that is okay if you go up to a girl all right all right what do you first within yourself what do you what do you qualify as rejection you know for some guys it's maybe being ignored for other guys maybe it's her saying no i don't want to go out with you um uh, maybe it's um 
you know, just her being polite and excusing herself. Like, what does rejection look like to you? Okay, that's number one. All right, the second thing is that if it does happen, here's a beautiful thing, do not take it personally because it has absolutely nothing to do with who you are as a person. Okay, what it is, because I'll tell you why it has nothing to do with you as a person, because one, you had no malice intent, no malicious intent. You did not go over there with the intention of, of, of being rude, mean, offensive, disrespectful, or anything like that. You went over there with the intention of creating connection, of providing a great conversation, and that and that is who you are. And so and so just because like you get rejected does not equal I'm a bad person. It does not that at all. So erase that formula from your head. So but take it as feedback. Take it feedback on your technique. Take it as feedback on what you did. That's that growth mindset I was talking about. All right, and you hit, you said a very great t- a great thing, a very great um, technique which I use and I tell a lot of people to do is to journal what happened, journal what happened, and then repeat, and then repeat it back in your head, and then redo it again, but with you doing the right thing. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where I'm talking to a woman, I'm like. Hold on a second. I've been in this situation before. I know what I did wrong last time. And the funny thing is, what you did wrong is probably as simple as maybe, you know, changing one single word in your question. And then when you're in that situation again, bam, you're going to do it again. And so the most important thing is twofold, like I mentioned, is one, don't take it personally because it's not about you. You said it. Maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe her cat died. I don't know. But it has nothing to do with you. Second, second is to journal and take it as feedback and see what you've done better. And I'll leave you guys with this when it comes to rejection. My favorite analogy to use is, is imagine you're offering someone a piece of gum. And they say, no, thank you. What are you going to think? Are you going to be hurt? Are you going to think I suck or I'm not worthy? No. <laughs> no, of course not. You're gonna th- you're gonna think like what? I, let me ask you, what are you going to think? It's just oh my god, that's just opened up so many. It's just made light of so many supposed like heartbreaks and all that kind of stuff. When I think about it like that, I that, that's just an awesome way to look at it. I never even thought of it that. <laughs> you see. You see, once I learned that, it blew my mind. And, and I like, I'm sure as you're thinking about the heartbreaks, you're like, wait. Yeah, nothing move. She just didn't want the gum. Okay, <laughs> I just, that is cool. such a, a unique way. Of, that's like this is why I think so many guys need to you know be signing up to coaching classes and buying your products and stuff like that because that is going to help so many guys who are sitting just now going. Well, I went up, I tried to speak to this girl, and then she said, you know, and then you can hear the story they play to themselves. The the terms that they use to define themselves, like I'm a shy guy, I'm not nobody, I'm not pretty enough, and and you're just going, you know, offer a chance to speak, doesn't let want to, fine, go to the next one, go to find the girl that does what I was going to say, I'm bad, who wants to chew your gum. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, there is someone out there who wants to chew your gum. I want to yeah. see that as your tagline on your website next. Like, but well, I've already seen a second interview coming because there's so much of this stuff that I, I, 
I was so excited to chat to you about this sort of stuff. But I mean, flip. So if we flip the switch, what are okay. I'm trying not to use pick up indicate like, but indicators of interest. What are things we should be looking at? You know, what is the bit that makes you go, okay? You know, maybe she, there is an attraction here, or you know, there is maybe a friendship blossoming, or there is a chance for me to network with this person and help them and go to a new club or something like that with them. You know, how do you know if a conversation is going well? How do we know if a girlfriend yeah. or something like that is coming into the chances? Yeah, uh, look at the body, because the body never lies. And what I mean by that is take a look at the body language. Are they exhibiting open and body language? Here's some quick ways to figure out. One, are their feet pointed in your direction? Typically, we point our feet in the direction of the things that we are interested in. Um, look also at the shoulders and maybe the, and also the hands. If you see that the hands are relaxed in an open palm type of way, that means we're comfortable, we're open to receiving. Um, look at the eyes. If you see direct eye contact, their eyes are not really shifting back and forth, but direct eye contact, which is a good sign. Laughing a lot at everything is, is a great sign. When they uh, touch you, that's another great sign. When they ask you questions, that is a fantastic sign because they're engaged in the conversation. When they give you well-thought-out answers instead of just yes or no, they elaborate, which is another question. I mean, I mean, another great indicator of interest, so to speak. Um, uh, also playfully hitting. All right. Another way too is, and this is something, you know, guys maybe go over their heads, right? When she tests you, when she tests you, um, some guys think like, oh, she's just busting my balls. She's being a ball buster. No, she's intrigued and she's trying to see if what you're putting out is the real deal. And so otherwise she wouldn't do it. You know, it's like the, it's like it's like when you're when you're testing a car. You know how you kick the tires of the car. This <laughs> is the same. She's kicking your tires to see if you hold up. And so the the minute away, which is what my girlfriend did to me, the moment we met, she um, you know, she busted my balls, and then she asked me, um, "How old are you? You look 17." And then I told her, "Yeah, you're exactly right. I have the best fake ID in the world. I actually got it from a Cracker Jack box. You should see it." I didn't crack, and that that added to the interaction. And so that is a uh, those are a couple great ways to see. Um, oh, oh, let me give you this last one too. This is like a, a secret but advanced one, right? If you're brave enough, this is for my brave guys out there, right? Purposely drop the conversation. Purposely drop the conversation. Don't pick it up. If she picks it back up, then that's a great sign that she's interested. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. Honestly, where were you about 20 years ago when I was starting out? There are so many times I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, fuck, now I see where that went wrong. Oh, that's, and that's why I, 
like yeah. you know the, the stuff I've seen like of RSD Max and then yourself. It's it's that mm-hmm. kind of opening up this avenue of you don't need to be the same cookie cutter guy. You, you know that not every girl wants the muscles. Not every girl wants the the Henry Cavill uh, looks and stuff like that. You know, because mm-hmm. that's the bullshit thing, isn't it? Is we te- we get told the story by society to buy you know new boxers and new shirts and like all this kind of shite like but how yeah how do you get through that to people is looks don't matter muscles don't matter it's you you're the person that actually you're the prize you just need to learn how to like sell your life better you know you need to be a better better marketer so to speak yeah yeah No, no oh my god yeah you said it listen for guys Looks don't matter, all right. Looks don't matter at all. I remember, and this is this, and this is the moment that actually blew open for me. I'll never forget it. I, <laughs> I went to a porn convention uh, like six I, years I ago, should. and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so, and I was talking to you know one of the actresses, and we got on the talk a uh, topic about you know guys, and she was real beautiful, and I'm you know, and I made the joke saying, oh, you probably like them like six foot five with muscles and stuff like that. She goes, no. Actually, I love husky guys. I love I love large husky guys. And I was like, really? She goes, no. I think they're so sexy. I, I freaking love them. And that blew my mind. That blew my mind. And that looks don't matter. Now, I'm not saying look like a slob. Absolutely don't. <laughs> you know, obviously be well-groomed. But what is attractive is the personality and the fun that you give off. And that is what women become attracted to because there are plenty of guys who are just aesthetically good looking. They're beautiful. However, they're duds. They don't know how to excite. They don't know how to how to um, inspire emotion or anything like that. But more than anything, they're not themselves. And so how do you become yourself? How do you figure out who you are and turn the knob to 11? I'll tell you. Self-acceptance. Self acceptance. All right. I've used this analogy before, and I love using it because it applies so much. It's it's the it's the difference. It's like the the difference between a Ferrari and a Prius, right? When you buy a Ferrari, you know that it's sexy. You know that it's beautiful, and at the same time, you accept the fact that it guzzles gas. Now, Prius, same thing. You you know it's it's great on gas, but when you buy it, you also accept the fact that it's ugly. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're good. <laughs> you know, they're better now. But when they first came out, those things were hor- oh, horrendous. Right. They were hideous. But you, yeah, um, you know, not exactly, a, 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 you know, a sex machine of a car right there. But you accepted all of it. And you need to do the same thing with yourself, right? You need to accept all parts of you, the parts that are great and the parts that you are improving on. You don't try to say the parts that are bad. I said the parts that are great and the parts that you are improving on. And once you give that whole self-acceptance, what happens is that then you give off this air of not being attached, of non-neediness. You're not needy at that point because you're not seeking validation. That's where the sex appeal comes from, that you're not seeking validation. You don't need a woman to confirm what parts of you are good and what parts are not because you already accepted it. And because you already accepted it, that fear is already out of your head, which allows you now to have more fun. Okay. Imagine, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Uh, 
I'm trying to think of an analogy, but for example, it's like, um, okay, boom. It's like, let's say, um, you know, you're low, you're low on, you're low on funds. And so you have that worry of not having money, but then payday, the, 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 the paycheck comes in, that worry goes away. And now that that worry, which is the block goes away, now you can have fun. And it's the same thing with yourself. So once you have that self-acceptance and now you have that self-acceptance, now that worry because you're not seeking validation, so you you know you're walking around. I don't need validation from anyone. That's where half the worry for guys comes from is the seeking of validation from women and oftentimes from other men. So when you don't have to worry about validation anymore, when all your worries are away, yourself, your true self, has space to come out. Does that make sense? How, how are you not a massive name in this industry? Like just listening to your stuff, and I'm like. Fuck me! Like this, this has completely changed my like outlook on a lot of stuff, and it's, and I see so many guys struggling, and I'm like, they listen to the same old sh- crap, and it's like you're you've got stuff like this out, and it could change people's lives, like, and it's like, you don't just treat them like to get the girl or get in that situation. You're treating them how to get better in the relationship, then how to get better as a person and keep it evolving. How do you, like, what should people be doing outside of life? Like, you know, how do we build a life that has become so good that the girl is like the whipped cream on top of the dessert of your life? You know, she's not the whole meal. How do we get it to a point? Because mm-hmm. too many guys stop going out when they start dating. They stop seeing their friends. You know, they change. Mm-hmm. They're not the guy that mm-hmm. she initially met. You know, how, or like mm-hmm. a guy who goes to like say like for me for example you know, i've got the podcast jujitsu mm-hmm. i want to start rock climbing again and all that kind of stuff how do we make that attractive and draw people into that or do we have to go out and tell people about it so to speak you know how do we make our life that that beacon that people are drawn into mm. Essentially, it revolves around chasing and doing things that makes your heart sing, that really lights your heart on fire, wherever that is. It could be reading. It could be rock climbing, in your case, jujitsu. Uh, for other people, it is it is playing Dungeons and Dragons. I literally know someone who has success with women telling them about Dungeons and Dragons. I love that guy. <laughs> and so... <laughs> right so all right the, but 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 here's but here's the reason why i say that right here's the reason why i say that is is doing those things that make your heart sing makes you come to life it makes it gives you the sense of fulfillment and people want to and then you create this aura around you that people want to be a part of people want to be a part of um People want to be a part or near, next to people who have that special light, that special glow, because they themselves are searching for it. And then when you do that, you give other people permission to do the same. And so what I would tell people who want to start building that life is start doing things that set your heart on fire and do them for you. Don't do them to impress women because that will translate. But do that for you. And the and the and the and the uh, side effect will be you attracting women into your life, and, t- and 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 this is the way it happens: is that when you do start to talk to women about that, right? 
I would encourage people, don't tell them what you do. Tell them why you do it. Because when you tell them why you do it, you are not you're, you're, you are not communicating something mental and intellectual. You're communicating emotion. That's, that's the transference of emotion. And what you feel will transfer over to her. She will light up and feel what you feel. You will spark it within her. And being that you are the person that initiated that, she will associate that with you and attract you to her. And now every time she thinks of you, she has that feeling. All right. It's like, have you ever had a, like, check, I, I'm, I'm guarantee you this. Um, I guarantee you, you have some people in your phone that when you see their name pop up on your caller ID, you're like, oh man, what does this person want? Oh, and you haven't even picked oh, up the God. phone yet. But you just have those. <laughs> and then again, you have those people that when their phone comes up, you get a little jump. You get a little jump inside. Like, oh, oh, oh it's them. I'm so glad they call. And that's because that person has this light and they live in their life a sort of way and that's rubbed off on you. So to all my guys out there that are listening, start doing things that light you up, that set your heart on fire, that makes your heart sing, your passions. Okay. Um, and if you want me, we can get into it. I even, I even tell guys how to find their passions. I actually have a process for that. But You can't um, just tease that you've got to tell it. <laughs> okay, I just want to be in the interest of time and stuff like that. But all right, no, so no, so all right, no, so it's so it's all right, so it's pretty simple, right? It's a it's a um it's a simple process. I'll I'll just do the short uh, version of it. But essentially, it is right. It it is essentially make a I'll say make make it the list make a list of all the things you like to do. I don't care what they are, whether it's play video games, uh, collect rocks, uh, jujitsu, rock climbing. Cool. All right. Then I would also make a list of how do those things make you feel? Like what are, what, what are the like ways of being that, that you, um, that you incorporate into that. Right. And then what I would do, what I would do is then I would see and look for the common thread between the way you feel and what is the, your favorite things to do. And this takes a, a little bit, little bit, little bit of work, but I find a common thread and whatever the common thread is, it is your passion. So for example, okay. Uh, the things that I'm interested in, I love, right? Check this out. I love, I love psychology. I love Batman. I'm a big Batman fan. Um, I love, uh, body language, um, and people and things like that. Now, as far as like the, the, the states, the states of being, that I'm always in is joy. I love um, joy, happy. Um, you know, I love to. I love to. I love what else? Curiosity. Okay. And so I looked for the common threads. And as far as the things that I love to do, I love figuring out people. And I love seeing the blueprints for you know behind people because that's why I love Batman. I love more Batman because of the psychology behind it. the joy behind it. And like that's my thing is joy. So when you put them together, the common thread is essentially figuring out people's figuring out people's mental blueprint to bring about joy. And so now I can do that so many different avenues. I can do that through video. I could do that through talking to people. I could do that through um, talking. That, that's that's for me. That's just for me. And for other people, it may be different. But once you find that passion, that joy, you lean into it, and then you'll get to the point where you don't even need. 
a woman. And I say that, and, and you know, respectfully, but what I mean by that is like, you don't need her to complete you. That's the point you want to get to. You want to get to the point where you do not need anyone to complete you. And that's a big thing, isn't it, is explaining to people is this is an addition to your life. This is a bit, you know, a girlfriend, partners, yes. they're there to finish it. They're, mm-hmm. they're not there to make it, to validate you as a person. They're just there to share it with you. You can mm-hmm. be perfectly happy without somebody, but yes. obviously, I think, was it Friends? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, American Pie the film when he said you can hit a ball against the wall but it's better with a partner who returns it to you <laughs> I thought perfect <laughs> so see when, you, see when you're working with a client you know, and they come to you and they have things like jealousy previous heartbreak, upset over XYZ does this all disappear when you start teaching them to be more this life you know, do they have all these stories and identities they built into themselves? But the second you start showing them this style of life, all that just does it all just evaporate, mm-hmm. or do you need to tackle that at all? Because I get the impression that you just motivate people and you get them so positive and psyched about life, they forget all that bullshit. Is that the sort of thing you find that happens? Uh, that is the end result. However, though, part of the process is learning to make peace with what happened. Um, trying to forget about it, um, forget about it, act like it's not there. It's just a, it's just the other side of the same coin, which is focusing on it and using that as a cause for your issues. Um, it's just a form of, you know, psychologically speaking, it's just another form of avoidance, and which is not a great way to deal with things mm. of the past, to act like they're not there. Um, you know, cause what that ends up doing is just pushing down all the resentment, all the anger, all the, all the sadness, it push it down. And what ends up happening is it boils over and then it comes out in not productive ways. Maybe it comes out in addiction. Maybe it comes out in, uh, you know, drinking too much drugs, uh, too much porn. Maybe it comes out in violence. Uh, that's because they haven't dealt with it. So it's very important that they deal with it and they make peace with it. And they're able to move forward with it in a constructive way. And so, uh, and so all in all, so what I do as part of the process is I, we, 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 I help them develop a healthy relationship with it. Imagine having a friend or a family member who's just toxic, but you can't get away from them. So you have no choice but to develop a relationship with them. And that's where your power lies. You get to choose the relationship that you have with mm-hmm. that emotion. Just like you get to choose the relationship you have with that with that person. So if someone just went through an ugly divorce, okay, you know, it happened. You, you can't deny that, right? Now, the relationship that some people have with it is, is something of resentment. I was hurt. She treated me bad. She was in the wrong. Um, you know, women, all women are terrible and they're out to get guys and they, you know, attack my manhood. That's a certain type of relationship you have with it. Right. And I want to investigate, okay, what made you believe that? What, um, you know, why is that? Why is it important for you to not feel disrespected? Why is it important for you to feel like a man? I would do some exploring and in that exploring, we get down to the truth. We get down to the truth, which a lot of times is A need not met. A lot of time, a need of some sort was not met. A need to feel respected. A need to a need to feel to feel loved. To feel heard. 
And once they realize that that didn't happen in that situation, here's the thing, not not placing blame. Because it's easy to be like, well, it's her fault. Well, again, you're putting something outside of yourself. You know, and so my question is, then my, my ultimate question is, all right, so what what are you going to choose to believe? What are you going to choose to do so that way you have a positive experience of life? Because I'll tell you what, you tell me any situation that you happen with, that you had with a woman that was terrible, and I'll bet you a million dollars, you're only telling me half the story. Because there are details, because like, from a, again, psychological standpoint, NLP is my thing. Um, we we pick and choose certain information to fulfill a certain narrative and we delete and ignore anything that proves the contrary or we we del- or, or we ignore other possibilities and so prime example let's say you were rejected from a woman you just went over and said hi in your head oh um you know women are mean and women like that with brunette hair uh, they're all mean from this area Okay, now could something else be true? You know, could it also be possible that she didn't hear you? Could it be spot possible that maybe she didn't speak the language? Could it be possible that her family member just died? And and so and so um, you know, in in doing things like that, we have the person consider other things, and in considering other things that can also be true, you change the relationship that you have with that scenario. And then let's say again with the woman who rejected you, um, which one, let me ask you this, which one makes you feel better and more empowered to try again? A, uh, you know, she's just a bitch or B, her grandmother died and she was not in a place to mean anybody at that moment. It would like, which one it more, more empowers you? Which one makes you feel a lot mm-hmm. better? Likely B, I imagine. And the name of the and the name of the game, the name of the game is not proving yourself right. The name of the game is what can I believe, what can I feel that empowers me to move forward in the direction that I want. Not in the direction that's inspired from my past. You want to move in the direction that you want. So then, like I said, what can you believe? What possibly what what can possibly be true that would allow you, like what here's a question. Boom, here it is right here. What do you need to believe to be true in order for you to do what you want? There's your question. Whatever you answer you come up with, believe it, it's true, and then yeah, move I just love it. You're just throwing out gem after gem after gem just now. This is why I cannot – this is why I want to throw as many guys your way as possible to get you because you're going to start treating them. You're going to show them like that the life they want is true. You're going to blow up. You're going to be like an amazing big name in the dating industry, and you should be already. But, you know, it's like the, – it's the way you look at it. It's, you know, it's like two people have the same event – they both have a different rec- uh, recollection of it. Who's right? Neither of them, because they're both emitting different things depending on what they believe from it. Uh-huh. And when you sort of stop and think about that, you go, "Oh right, hi." You know, because they say, "Well, you said so and so in that way," and you go, "No, I didn't. I said it in this way." And you're like, "Who's right? Neither of you." You know, it's, I mean, I sh- so how? Uh-huh. So imagine then we've gone th- into this situation. You know, we've met the girl, we've started a few dates, we're building up the life, you know, and she, we're like, okay, this is going to go somewhere. How do you maintain that? 
how would you become because that's why I liked your stuff like, immensely at the start was because you take it further. You talk about how to be the person during the relationship, how to you know how to elevate the two of you. How do you make your client a better boyfriend, a better man to be with, to ensure that they keep that life, they keep improving themselves, that will not surely attract their partner? You know, how do you take pickup, which is just about meeting them, and actually make the relationship the best? I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but you know, how do you just make them a better boyfriend? Mm. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I love that, and it's interesting because you know, my my family comes from Dominican Republic, uh, so you know, it's 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 well known that Spanish or Latin people tend to be lovers, and um, you know, my philosophy it came from. Um, you know, the success is not in getting her phone number. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the success is not in getting her phone number. The success is not in getting her to come out with you. The success, like the, the mark of a true seducer, the mark of a true lover is the ability to make the same person fall in love with you again and again and again. And that's because, you know, the first time around, the first six months, she already knows all your tricks. Mm-hmm. She's already heard all your stories. Now, and, and right, thinking in the spirit of self-improvement, now, what new stories can you tell? How can you evolve so you can re-engage the same person? That requires for you to become a better version of you. That requires for you to evolve. See, where people go wrong when it comes to being a boyfriend is that they get lazy. They get lazy, tell the same jokes, go to the same bar, do the same dates, Netflix and chill type of stuff. Me personally, in the spirit of constantly evolving, you not only have to constantly evolve and self-improve in terms of your job, in terms of you know your growth, you have to evolve as a boyfriend. And that requires you reinventing attraction, reinventing the dates, reinventing um, how to tell better jokes. I've been with my girlfriend for two years and I and, and for me, for example, like one of the funny things that when we first got together is that I love telling I love telling stories. And for me, I, it's a game where I tell stories and she has to figure out whether or not it's a real story or a made up story. And at this point, she's gotten really good at telling whether or not my stories are made up. And now but I'm not seeing that as like, oh, man, you know, I guess, you know, I stopped trying like, no. Now, that's forced me to become a better storyteller. So now, so I wish you can't figure it out. And then when it comes to dates, I'll give you, I'll give you the, what I call the epic date formula. This is the way to, this is the way to constantly come up with fun dates. Because you just don't want to get lazy, go movies and a dinner. Dinner and a movie. All right? You always want to be that superstar. You want to be that, you want to be the boyfriend that she tells stories about. You want to be the boyfriend that uh, her friends get jealous of because she goes on awesome dates. And the epic and the epic formula is like this, right? The first thing that you need is a theme, similar to the genre of a movie. You need a theme. So whether that be like okay, horror, nerd, kung fu, um, uh, space, um, action, you need a theme. The second thing that you need is our our rules or parameters, kind of like the name of the game. For example, um, you know, me and my girlfriend, we did something what I, we, we call a little kid's date. And in it, 
we one of the rules is every time we cross the street, we had to hold hands and you could only step on the white lines. Don't step on the lava. And so every time we did it, like little kids, we held hands when we crossed the street and we stepped on it. Uh, we stepped on the white line. So that's an example. Like you need parameters. The third, the third thing that you need is accessories. If you want anybody accessories, dress up in the theme that you're in. You don't have to go out and get a costume, but get dressed up. Because what happens, actually psychologically speaking, is I, I believe it's called uh, cognitive... Oh, the term escapes me. But essentially the term is that the clothes that you wear influence how you think, which is why people who wear lab coats and they take tests, they tend to be smarter. Or people that wear Superman shirts tend to lift more. And so the clothes that you wear influence how you think and the experience that you have. So we meet my girlfriend, for example, we did something called a nerd date. And what we did is we wore glasses and suspenders. And then the last thing that you need the last thing is a second location. The second location after the main date, because the second location uh, is is an opportunity for you to to recap what happened, to bond over the experience you just had, and to connect and come together even more. Because connections happen over shared experiences. That's how deep connections happen. So if you can create a wonderful shared experience and then you're at the second location, you're more likely to see her again. You're more likely to deepen those feelings of, of, of um, I will say amor, mm-hmm. that's my Spanish side, but of love, of connection. Uh, you're, more, you're, more likely to, you're more likely to deepen it. And also, if you're just starting out, you're more likely to get a second date. And so you do those four things. You're going to be an epic boyfriend, an epic dater from now to 50 years from now. We have your 50th anniversary. Yeah, I was smiling the whole way through that just now because I was thinking of some dates I had where I did that kind of thing, you know, where you, you have your own in-jokes, you have your own silliness, your the way of doing it. And, you know, you have, like, the second place you go, you go for the walk and, you you know, you you walk on the bollards mm. because the floor is lava and all this kind of stuff you know and it's it's stuff that you do as a kid and it makes it fun and exciting for the other person and I, I was just smiling just now because i was thinking those are the dates i love but those were the the times i you know i fell in love with a girl or we had the best date possible mm. you remember for years after you know that's so vivid in your mind but something I, I remember you saying as well about um uh, about storytelling you know like how that can make you the most interesting person in the room mm-hmm. you know it can make you new friends new dates etc what tips would you have for storytelling you know because some people kind of go well she said this he said that you know there's no emotion even though they're poss- they're probably a really interesting person how can we mm-hmm. how can we light the scene up shall we say yeah, sure. So you, the, what you just said, I don't, you know, don't do. <laughs> when you just say this happened, this happened, it's very technical. <laughs> that's that's how that's how guys think. That's how men think. We're very technical in our heads, logical. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. But that's boring. That's like reading an instruction manual. That's not interesting. Okay. Instead, what makes the story fantastic is the emotions that it sparks up, and the way you do that like I mentioned before, is to explain why that instance is important to you, 
why it changed you. How did it change you? Why did it mean so much to you? Whenever you tell a story, answer the question, why? And then whatever and then whatever comes out is going to connect with the other person because now you're talking the language of emotions. And talking the language of emotions is infinitely more power than talking intellectually. I mean, how many times did you really pay attention to school? <laughs> you fell asleep because you they were talking intellectually. But when you remember a movie, when you remember a story, the reason why you remember it because of how it made you feel of the emotions that sparked up. And so the, if you want to instantly become a great storyteller, I want to say focus less on what happened and talk more about why it was important to you um, and why it changed you. If, if I if I may give an example for the listeners so they know uh, what it's like. One of my, yeah, one of my favorite stories to tell is about my pocket watch, right? I have this great pocket watch that I wear. And when someone asks me about it, I go, this is a story to tell. I go, I go, thanks. It was actually a Christmas gift for my dad a couple of years ago. And it means a lot to me because when I was little, uh, he really didn't show me love or affection. But when he gave me this for Christmas and I saw it as said from father to son, that was really the first time in my life that I actually felt loved by my dad. And that's why this is one of my favorite pocket watches, one of my favorite things to wear. And which is which is a lot different from saying, thanks, this is a pocket watch I got from my dad. He gave it to me on Christmas. It's awesome. Do you like pocket watches? <laughs> and so if you notice the difference in stories, the first one, it puts you back in my shoes of maybe in your life, maybe there's a, a parent or, or a parental figure whose love you wish you had. And now you're a lot connected to not only me, but the story as an example. So what, okay, I mean, that's the sort of second mention you've had of your short childhood. Do you think that kind of childhood that you mentioned, you know, like where you had the, the issue just now with your dad was uh, like about being in the car at the soft, uh, softball game and that sort of thing. Is this why you've become somebody so positive and wanting to help others and like, you know, such a, I want to say a love giver, but, you know, like somebody that's so like wants to make everybody's happy as positive, you know, and get them to be the best person themselves that you didn't want other to feel that way. Cause you've turned into this amazing young guy. And I, when I hear some of your stories, I'm like, I can't imagine that happening to you because of the guy that you've become. Has, has this used as a kind of motivation juice, so to speak? Wow. Um, that's a good question. I never really took the time to stop and think about it. Um, my childhood, it, it's funny. So my childhood was not on the surface. It wasn't terrible. If you were to ask me, you know, six years ago, I would tell you my childhood was normal. Um, I got love. I wasn't beaten or anything like that. I wasn't abused. But, um, you know, after doing my inner work, it, there were emotional needs that were not mm -hmm. met. And no fault of my parents because they were doing the best that they could. It's just, you know, it is what it is. And, um, how, however, though, like I said before, remember how I mentioned before about accepting all parts of you, you know, one thing also that was part of my childhood was the examples that I got, um, you know, with me, as far as like my, my dad would always tell me, be the best version of yourself, always be the best. Um, he would always tell me, it's funny. I would go, dad, I'm bored. He goes, okay, go read a book, which is how I came to love reading. Um, my mom, I saw the kindness that she would give and to people and that's how that rubbed off on me i remember seeing her 
you know, the way she is with people. And I, and I also remember the way my dad smiles. My dad, in each and every one of his pictures, he has this, like, he's like the Dominican Santa Claus, <laughs> the way he smiles. And, and so that, and so that's all I knew as far as joy and, and how to be. And, um, because you're so full you know, of life, yeah, so yeah, you're just so positive. And like, I mean, I had issues with my dad when I was growing up, where he'd be negative, mm-hmm. he'd be sulky, and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, we're a lot better now, but for a while, it was like I used that as a way of I didn't want to be. And this way, it started yeah, going. Yeah. You know, this eventually created the podcast, my kind of lust for self development, and all this kind of stuff. So it's interesting that you kind of used it the positive but i kind of use the negative mm-hmm. but we both kind of get into the same kind of places mm-hmm. i mean you're doing a lot so a lot happier shall i say but you know because that's the thing isn't it it's like yeah you can it's our childhood affects us in a lot of ways and if we don't accept it mm-hmm. it can really mess us up and come out in different ways but i mean your parents should be extremely proud of what of the, what the man you've become and it's it's amazing that you can then take what you've learned as a as a young man and started channeling that into other people. Do you notice a difference like with guys from like more culturally con- controlled um you know like say an Indian guy versus a Dominican Republic guy versus a European guy versus a American or are we all built the same the stereotypes are just bullshit stories we hold about ourselves? So the needs the needs and desires are the same. Everyone wants to be free. Everyone wants to feel loved. Everybody wants the approval of their parents. Um, everybody wants to feel worthy and validated. Those are common and those are consistent across cultures. The difference that comes in is, is the rules or the ways in which those things are expressed and achieved. And so who am I to say that my way is better than or dip better than you know a person who's indian um you know or european who say my way is better you know there's no there's no way to say one culture is better than the other the way to achieve it uh but what i would but the, but the main thing that's important here's the problem here's the main thing that's important is that there comes a point where in every human's life where he or she has to leave their family of origin to develop their own life and their own family. And in doing that, they create their own ways of being, their own customs, their own traditions. There's, there's, that's just part of becoming an adult. And what happens is that unfortunately, that break never happens. That the, we become grown adults still living with the same rules, still living with the same conditions that when we were younger. And we do not realize that we do have the ability to break that off. And of course, we don't want to break that off because we're breaking away from our family because we are, uh, you know, kind of distancing ourselves from our parents. But that's not the case. You're not breaking away from your family because you still love them. That love never goes away. Now, there's just a difference. Mm-hmm. Between that love never goes away. It's still there. The only thing that you're doing is that you now are designing how you want to live. And how you design to live does not dictate how much you love somebody, how much you love your family. And so what, what I tell a lot of people, you know, with people that grew up in conservative cultures, is, um, is the love doesn't change. 
the love doesn't change and the customs and things like that, understand that those are passed on by their parents and their parents after that. And those customs came about because of certain um, of certain things that are important. Like for example, uh, like for example, you know, respecting the family is important value. Uh, you know, so yeah. So respecting the family is an important value or staying within your own culture is an important value. Now, again, that is a value that was put on you by someone else. But you're an adult now. You can choose your own value. And just because you choose differently does not mean you don't love them. And the thing that people have to keep, the thing that's keeping people stuck is the mind frame that if I choose different, it means I don't love my family. When that's not the case. You can choose different and still love your family. I love that because I mean one of the reasons I was asking was I've start I work in a job as well to this and I get to interact with a lot of guys from different cultures, different age groups. You know, and some are married, some have kids, some have like widows and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, and it's when you get to meet these guys you see, like you're saying, they all have the same hopes and dreams and that, but some of them start coming away from their cultural norms Mm -hmm. because it gives them a chance to experiment, to become the different persons outside of their, their, their childhood environment or outside of their village that they've grown up or stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I come from a a highland fishing village Mm -hmm. and I had to go to a city to really kind of get the chance to develop and Mm -hmm. learn who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had a guy come across who came out as homosexual because he would have never been accepted in his current village. We had guys who come out and they've ended up marrying outside of their culture and stuff like that. And it's like you're saying, the desires and the hopes are there, mm-hmm. but they kind of have to deal with the the family side stuff. And it's really weird that something that supports and loves and nourishes us can actually hold us back from yeah. being the person that they would hope we were going to be. And it's, uh, I mean, I could talk to you for hours about this sort of stuff. Um, but sometimes a thought comes in my head and I throw it out there and I go, ooh, I better explain, I better explain that one. <laughs> I mean, this is like, we've been going for almost like an hour and 20 minutes and I've literally still got pages worth. So I definitely want to have you on again. I really hope you've had as much fun as I have. Oh, yeah. You're going to be a massive name. I mean, is what would you say if you had to sort of like identify myths or actions, so say you had somebody in front of you just now listening and they said, okay, what do you want me to do? Would it be just go out and start speaking to people like you had identified earlier? Or is there three tasks that you'd want people, like a set of homework for them? Okay, so first part is, I would say, I mean, if we're, if we're really going to get into it, and you're the type of person who's not looking for a quick fix, which I hope you are, and those are the people that I love to work with, is the first step is uh, education. The first step is just educating, understanding your thoughts, yourselves, why you are the way you are, how you came to be, because in understanding, there's freedom. Because when you understand, then you, the fear goes away, the confusion goes away. So I would recommend a couple of books. Um, one of the first books is actually by my mentor, Neil Strauss, which is The Truth, an uncomfortable book about relationships. Also, one of the first books I would recommend reading, the reason why that book is awesome is because 
in the book Neil. Uh, have you ever have you ever read the book? The the game. Uh, no, the truth. Sorry. His second book after. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I've read the game, um, but I was trying to think I'd have read the truth. Sorry, I was away with that. Uh, no, I don't believe I have. I've seen you've mentioned it in several interviews. Is it one of those must-read books, do you think? 100%. 100%, especially if you're a man. I mean, it's great for women as well, but um, especially if you're a man. The reason why, because um, in the book, what Neil does is that he goes you know, exploring to, you know, he deals with a common male problem of, I want to be in a relationship with this woman, but I have these desires to sleep with other women. And, you know, is monogamy for me? Is, you know, being an open relationship for me? Uh, why am I like this? Why is it difficult for me to open up? Why is it me for me, difficult for me to be vulnerable? Um, and things like that. And also, it deals with dating in real life. It doesn't talk about dating as if we live in a real world where you don't have desires for anyone else. It talks about dating like you know from a real perspective. Um, and so, in that, he goes through the journey just and just does a lot of self knowledge and self educating. And by the end of it, not to I'm not giving the ending away, but by the end of it, essentially what he realizes is whatever works for you. Make sure it works for you because you want it to, not because of society, not because of your friends, not because of your parents. And whatever you want and whatever it works for you, as long as you're honest, upfront, you're not hurting anyone else or yourself, it's okay. And so that's definitely the first book I would highly recommend in, in getting when it comes to the self-discovery and the self and the self um, self-development. The second book I would recommend, especially for men is this book by James Hollis, which is Under Saturn's Shadow. And it's uh, James Hollis, he's, oh, like, he's a, he's the guy's a legend. That, that book is fantastic. What that book talks about essentially is how it, um, it talks about how as men growing up, we no longer have rites of passage. We no longer have any ritual that separates us from childhood to manhood. And what ends up happening is that we carry our childhood into manhood. And because of that, because of those um, unresolved things from childhood, they manifest themselves and we don't exactly you know, think we're worthy. We don't think we are good enough. Uh, part of that reason is because we're still living in our father's shadow. We're still living by the values of our father. And so, and so uh, what that book talks about is essentially it explains that and also explains getting out of it and getting to the place where you develop your own values, your own family. So those are the two books, The Truth by Neil Strauss and Under Saturn's Shadow by James Hollins. Great two books to get you started on this journey. That's what I would recommend people to do. Because it's it's weird. I've got a whole section of questions I haven't gone into yet about rituals into manhood, how we can, um, you know, like masculinity, how we can be men in today's society, and how you know technology is affecting us, all this sort of stuff. Stuff we can definitely go into the second. I've never heard of that book, but it sounds fantastic. It's certainly something I'm hearing a lot of guys mention on this podcast, and it's really kind of look, making me look at you know, like rituals into manhood, how we can do it in today's society even, you know, especially when a lot of the the rites of passage would no longer be allowed or could be done today because there isn't that environment, to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just, 
I, I love the way that you look at life and you just keep lo- you know you just keep looking to prove yourself but what about things like meditation um journaling all this sort of stuff i mean you said before earlier that you were you know you you read all um you wrote out a lot of stuff but what else do you do in between your self-development for yourself how do you work on yourself how do you is there anything else that you do in terms of like a routine that helps you develop yourself? Yes. Um, so in the morning, I have my routine of things that fill my soul. And for me is is reading, a gratitude journal, running. And there's, there's a fourth thing I feel like, but those are the, those are the main things: just reading, running, and gratitude journal. I forget the fourth one. I, I literally do it every day. I don't know if my book is around here somewhere. But um, so one thing that's very important is you do some form of, of self care. You know what I mean? Where you just take care of your you take care of yourself. You fill your own cup. That's the analogy I wanted to use. Do things, um, do things to fill your cup. Because you can't be abundant from an empty cup. So for me, the things that fill my cup are the reading, the meditating, the gratitude journal, and also running. Whatever form of physical exercise, that that weighs my mind, my body, and my spirit. And it doesn't need to be anything extensive, just something every day. The most important thing out of all that is meditation. You, You said it on the, you hit the nail on the head. Everybody out there, download the app Headspace. Do you know about that app? Yeah, I've got it on my phone. It's uh, I need to get back into yeah. it. It's really good. Yeah. Oh my god, fantastic! It's a free app. I love it. It's a guided meditation. It's only ten minutes. You do it every day, and you really don't have to try. It does the work for you. What ends up happening? The reason why I highly recommend meditation for everyone, highly recommend it, is because what meditation does, just simply by itself, except it creates a gap. or creates a delay between your thoughts and your response. It separates you from your thoughts. And so the benefits about that, let's say you talk about dating, is let's say you have these, these feelings of like, oh, worry, anxiety, social anxiety, thoughts of maybe being rejected. Whereas currently right now, there's a very little delay. So you think the thought, you immediately believe it. You immediately embody it. Whereas what meditation does, it allows you to pause and not react to the thought and just let it pass by. And it allows you to operate from a place that you want and operate from a place of choice. And so meditation is one of the best things you can do in your whole journey. Trust me. It pretty much it allows, like I said, it just it just gives you time to separate yourself from your thought. It allows you to examine it and explore it. And that's where the growth happens. So meditation, number one advice. Uh, so so it's, and, uh, I feel also slightly like you're reprimanding me for not using it because it really helped me. <laughs> You know, I mean, I used to have depression. Well, I still suffer with depression every so often. I still have OCD and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it clears out when I use, you know, like Headspace. But then Jiu-Jitsu started doing that for me. It made me get back in the moment. You know, it's, it's hard not to when somebody's trying to choke you, uh, choke you out, if not. So I kind of got, <laughs> But as you become more, yeah. like more of an expert, not an expert, as you get better and better at it, you can kind of control the situation. So you find your mind starts wandering and stuff like that. In the middle of a roll, it's pretty dangerous. But And it's just now that I'm thinking, 
okay, yes, I will start med. I will start meditating again. Yes, I know I should be. I mean, I'm I'm really. <laughs> I'm like really actually disappointed to say like you know like to, uh, we better, I've just noticed we're well over the time I said it would be so I mean I definitely have to have you on again and really go into stuff deeper you know you're such an interesting guy but thank you thank you I've got a couple of sort of wrap up questions yeah now. yeah the first the first one has to be did that ten year old girl ever come back to you. What was it? I've never heard you actually say. What was the final outcome of that? Uh, no, she never got back with me. Um, I still remember her name. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> We're actually friends on Facebook. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually friends with the guy that she left me for. But no, she never, uh, she never came back to me. So <laughs> there was that. Because <laughs> it, it must be weird, like for her. Does she know that you use that? St- like that story's motivation that made you like kind of transform yourself. I don't think she even knows. I, I, th- I don't think she even remembers uh, because I never told her. She never. Uh, I never really told anyone the effect that I had on me until I got older. And so I'm pretty sure I am willing to bet she doesn't even know. And so for her, it's probably just like a blimp in, in the history back in grade school. Because it's amazing, isn't it? It's like you think like a girl blows you out. Oh, that's it. End of the fucking world. And it's well, the same like me with this podcast. Somebody says no, and I'll in, I'll send them an email a couple of months later, and they'll go, "Oh yeah, cool." Mm-hmm. And you go, "Well, well, you said no a minute ago." And you're like, and then you realise, like a like a girl will turn around you and go, "Did I say that?" Oh, <laughs> right, sorry. You know, it's like they don't even remember half the time, and you've made it an identity out of it, and you're like, "What, yeah. what the fuck?" Yeah. But, whole life has changed and then you base your whole life on that one decision that the person was like oh I, I didn't, I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't know I said that it wasn't that big of a deal and you're kind of going oh did you take that that way and you're like I have, I completely created a whole identity based off this and they're going alright I just meant at that moment I was a bit pissed off and hungry and you're like ah right <laughs> um, okay <laughs> Uh-huh. Exactly, uh, exactly. I've been in that situation actually. <laughs> I mean, I remember dating a girl. <laughs> when I first started dating, there was a girl who every single person I spoke to, I was flirting with. You know, I couldn't order a meal in a restaurant unless I was trying to screw the waitress. I was doing this, I was doing that. And then when I started dating a second girl, and I would say something, and she would go, Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, you're looking cool. You know, and it, it made me suddenly go, like, you know, I was so used to saying one thing and then having to deal with a barrage of negativity coming back from her with the first girlfriend. So when I got my second one, I was like, oh, somebody can actually care about you. It was weird to have, like, a, a positive look back from a girlfriend. It blew me away, and I was just like, all right, this is what dating is like, you know. And it's amazing, like, how many guys have gone through that? And that's their idea of dating a girl in this situation, dating a girl like a a foreign girl dating a girl taller than you dating a girl who's maybe got older brothers or just on one situation can completely change their attitude in life. That's, we are such a mess. Mm-hmm. We are such a messed up gender. Honest to God, that's just. Oof, are you kidding me, man? We are. We are. We're so. We're so sensitive. That's the <laughs> that's something that no one talks about. We're so sensitive. We're actually. We might be more sensitive than women. <laughs> I think we we need pedicures, manicures. We need our private spaces. We need like our vending spaces. Oh, I think, so, man. I think so. <laughs> I mean, so say you had to 
I'm really, I'm actually disappointed wrapping it up. But I mean, say you had to like wrap it in um, into a bow. What would you want everybody listening? Say they could remember one thing apart from your website details, obviously. What would you want them to take as the go home message? What would you want them to to kind of go away and think? Yeah, that, you know, like that's that's the bit that really struck home. Or how would you sum up? Because you've given some amazing advice, but how would you? tidy it in a bowl so so we speak because you're definitely coming back on i've had so much fun doing this but um i'm just always waiting people's time but you know what would you want them to take from it uh if so if someone was in front of me right now and i had to sum it up and i had a you know an elevator ride 30 seconds to, to do something to say something um you know essentially what i would say is you know and classical in classical Pablo fashion, I will tell them, hey, you're sexy. You always been sexy. And don't let anyone tell you different. And I'll go after what you want. <laughs> Love that. That's superb. Thank now you. something I always ask people, um now we know a lot about you as a dating coach. We know about your your history, your motivations and stuff like that. But what's an unusual fact about yourself? Something I love using this as a sort of second last question. You know, why Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, a draw to get people to listen to the end because there's always something amazingly unusual. What's an unusual fact about yourself that few people know that you would like people to know about, or that always blow people away when you tell them? Oh, mm, interesting. Um, I'm an aspiring magician. <laughs> I love I love magic. Have you seen? Yeah, I love I love magic. There's a guy called Chris Dumpsey on YouTube. And he's trying to like bring about magic again, and all. and it's like being a kid again when you watch him. And you're like, okay, what? Wait, wait a minute, what just happened there? Can you? Are you good? Like, can you do tricks on that? Yeah, I can. I can. I mean, it's something I've been doing on and off for a little bit. Um, my my favorite, what my specialty would be coins, making coins disappear, pop up here, there. I'm starting to get better at cards now. Um, there was. Uh, you know, that, that was something I've always loved since I was younger. I was actually, I was, fun fact about Pablo, I was actually in the Magic Club in high school. And so that is something not a lot of people know about me. Oh, that's cool. And are you the guy that goes into the bar? Do you have, like, your, your coin to do the, you know, pull it out of here and all that kind of stuff? I mean, is that a can would you recommend guys do that if that's if they're into magic you know pulling the deck of cards out in a bar or whatever uh i wouldn't recommend the deck of cards per se i mean you can't you can't but for um i i prefer to learn magic that street magic they could do anywhere with anything so things like coins matches bottles that type of thing and what and i would highly recommend just learn one trick just learn one trick and then when you do the trick don't go Hey, do you want to see a magic trick? Because then you're that guy. Yeah. But instead, as as you're telling the story, do the trick. Bring attention to your hands. Do the trick as you're telling the story. Make it part of the story. And then don't even bring attention to it. Have the main focus be the story, but you're just doing the trick. And that gives it that much more of an effect. I'm seeing a second channel for you coming up. You know, I, another website, Pablo Does Magic, where you kind of go off and, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, by day you're a, you're a dating coach. By night, you're a magician. I'm sure there's a TV series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I like. Well, 
Right, right. I've had so much fun. I really don't want to have to go, but I've, I've got to move on. I've got to go and travel in a minute. But for people who want to get into, you know, get in touch with you, there must be hundreds who will be wanting to sign up, get dating advice. You know, how can we work with you? How can they buy products from you? How can they sign up for your newsletter, website, social media, all that sort of good stuff? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I want to say thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I had a blast and I can't wait to come back. This has been such a fun conversation. So I want to say thank you to you and I extend my gratitude. That's the first thing. Thanks. And the, yeah, I know. And as far as, you know, where they can contact me, you can always find me on social media. Uh, best place is Instagram, which is at pablo.j.rosario. And if anyone out there feels like I can help them, would like some help and just fast track in their dating life, becoming a better, you know, at interacting with women, you know, you can always go to my website where you'll find a free five da- five day conversation confidence course that I put together where it'll build up your confidence in five days to talk to women. Um, and if you just want one on one help and feel like you really want that, you know, accountability and that guidance, you can always just email me personally. You know, since I have a great time, I'm going to give out my personal email. Um, which is Pablo at PabloJRosario.com. Or you can just find me on my website at PabloJRosario.com. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.